Welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocado Press based in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Demand and Disrupt, a disability podcast. I'm Lisa McKinley, and I am joined with Kimberly. Hey, Lisa. How's everything going? Good. How are you? I am in the throes of Christmas. Oh. I, I'm a, I am just a freaking elf over here is what I am. How about you? <laughs> Christmas is so stressful. <laughs> do, you, do you like Christmas? Do you love Christmas? Or do you just want to wait just kind of like wish you could skip over it i mean it's both for me i guess no i'm one of those annoying people i'm like I mean, michael at least makes me wait till november 1st but then i'm like oh. november 1st it's eggnog it's christmas music it's the whole thing it really is i'm super annoying that way really oh <laughs> see i wouldn't have thought it i i would i would just have pegged you as someone who was like oh, let's just get this over with but i was wrong I'm I'm really, you know what? I'm kind of a smug jerk about the whole thing, if you want to know the truth, because I get my planning done, I get my shopping done early, and then I can sit back and be all smug, like, look at y'all going to stores, doing stuff, and I'm done with my shopping. Oh, so, it makes sense now. It makes sense yeah. why, <laughs> why that's your thing. That just that's, fits yep. your personality. <laughs> it does. It does. That's that's my whole vibe right there. Yep. But uh and maybe that's why I don't like it because I'm not a planner. I'm a procrastinator, as you know. And I can see, I can see that. Um, <laughs> you know what trips me up is well, okay, I have to say this. I mean, Amazon has its problems, but are you so grateful for Amazon and online oh, shopping? Yes, yes, it is. It has changed the game for sure. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. Um, I mostly shop on Amazon just because of free shipping. I do shop other places. I I try to stay off Etsy just because, my gosh, I, I don't think I have the money to buy all the cool things on Etsy. But um, yeah, I do love looking at stuff on Etsy. But what yeah, trips I've me? I've never went to Etsy. I've never been on Etsy. I've received a gift from Etsy, but I've never... <sighs> they got some cute stuff. They got some cute stuff on there. Um, um, Hey, I just had, uh, Michael, there was a, I think it was from the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind had someone on talking about a, a particular store or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I, I think it's called talk to me. Something like that. Speak to me, talk to me, Speak to me, talk to me. Yeah. Something we can like definitely find out and put it in the, in the show notes because it's, I went to the call and, uh, -huh. She basically went through the catalog and and listed off most all of the accessible gifts. And it was amazing how much was on there, even things that I wouldn't have even thought of. Yeah. And yeah. as South Central Kentucky Council of Blind, we're talking about just a group. Lisa and I are, are in centered here in Bowling Green and we do a weekly call on Wednesdays and I'll drop a show notes in uh, a link in the show notes to the SCKCB. So people can and we do a call and they had uh, some uh, representative from this uh, store that we can't think of the name of. Speak to me. Talk to me. Something like that. Anyway, I'm so excited. <laughs> I got I got to tell you, I, I buy my own Christmas presents. I basically just send Michael links to things for him to purchase. Um, 
the chicken. There's a chicken shaped egg cooker. Oh yes. The, and he and the lady that was doing the um introducing and talking about all the products, I loved it. She referred to the chicken as her. She kept saying she lays or she, you put the eggs in her and the eggs, you know, just the way she was talking about this chicken as a her. It's called Henrietta. I think it's Henrietta. Called, yes. yes. <laughs> But she, yeah, she'd say, you put the eggs in Henrietta and she cooks them and she clucks when oh, your eggs are done. I am so dang excited about this chicken. I'm so excited to get this egg cooker. I love a poached egg. Like I could eat eggs like for every meal. I do. We want chickens. We actually want chickens. But Michael, for obvious reasons, is just like, no, he, he puts his foot down on all mine and Sayers animal antics. So um but, so I picked that out for myself and I'm so excited to get my, my Henrietta, the, the egg cooker. Um, but you know where I get tripped up is like, it'll be two days before Christmas and I haven't wrapped anything yet. How do you feel about wrapping presents? I, I let, I pay my niece to do it for me. <laughs> okay. Can I pay your niece to do it? Because... I nothing will cause me to lose my religion faster than trying. I mean, the amount of curse words that come out of me if I'm trying to wrap a present. And it's it's not the wrapping. It's I sit down the tape and I don't know where I sat it. I don't know where I sat the scissors. I'm constantly losing them. And it it's I don't have. Do you know what I'm talking about? I absolutely know what you're talking about. My mother loves me a lot and she wraps my presents for me. So. See, that's, you got, you have a good mother and I have a good I do. niece. And you have a good niece. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I just, it's, it's, I mean, I think there are blind people who master it. I think there are blind people who are like, they can knock it out in no time. Oh, I'm absolutely. sure there are. I, I think I'm just. I mean, I can do origami, but I can't wrap. Really? Yes, I can make a origami cube. It's so cute. Oh, cool! But you can't wrap a present. No, I can't wrap. I can't wrap a pro. I mean, I can if if it didn't have a pattern on it, and you had to match up the lines and the patterns. If you just gave me a solid gold shiny sheet of paper or red, I could probably make it look really good. But Patrick says I, I. My husband says I always. I don't line up the lines right, so then it looks weird. It never occurred to me. That's why the presents have a back, right? I mean, it never yeah. occurred to me to try to line up a pattern. I, I, yeah. I wow, you, you're getting all fancy with it. You know, I had a friend, um, she wrapped one year when her daughter, her first child was very, very little. She wrapped all her presents, all the presents in white butcher paper. And she had set, she put them under the tree and she had crayons and she just let her daughter go under there and just colored. I love that. And I've actually thought about doing that when they were little because I'm like, this would be so much easier. You wouldn't have to line anything (laughs) up. Just all white, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any like funny Christmas story from when your kids were little? Um, No, I. Well, I mean, everything's a Christmas nightmare. Ian, I I think Ian's whole thing was Christmas Eve meant time to get sick. You know that how they do we. We had a whole big train table that was set up from Santa in the living room and he woke up at like two and it was already set up and, you know, we, uh, 
then he started puking in the middle of the night. So we were trying to like deal with sick baby and not let sick baby see the Santa present. Oh, so you what you about were going to tell me he threw up on the train table? Not that time. I'm sure it happened at some point, you know, babies, they tend to do that. What about you? Do you have funny kid, uh, kid Christmas birth, uh, deals? Well, when David was little, every time we brought diapers into the house, he got so excited and he would run around the house because he got a box of diapers. And <laughs> I guess I don't know why he'd get so excited about Oh, that's you so. And so I think we got him, he was probably about three and we had, we had potty trained him. So he was finally out of diapers and we had put the Legos in the diaper box and I wrapped it and it was on the bed. I didn't think about it. And I was cooking dinner and he went in there back in the bedroom and he unwrapped it and he, he'd call Alex Ack. And he started yelling, Ack, Ack, mama got me diapers. <laughs> that's hilarious uh you know i used to put when i had a my my guide dog um because michael and i didn't have children until we spoiled our dog and we would put you know bones and toys in gift bags and she would get in there and get in the gift bag and get them out and she was so excited and she'd toss her bone up in the air and play and everything but then she started to think that all gift bags were for her um yeah yeah so you see where this is going because i don't wrap so i just put stuff in gift bags and then one year she decided to that she was going to get in all the gift bags and she did. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, they start coming to mind once you like start thinking about it. Then all the, you know, by the time you go to bed tonight, you'll have like 20 funny Christmas stories. In I know. I know. Right. That's the, that's a great thing about Christmas though. Right. It's just so many memories. You remember yes. it, it seems to be that time of year when you, you, that stuff really sticks out in your mind. So I think it's great and I love it. And I start it in November and I'm not ashamed. No, you are, you are on top of things. I envy you. <laughs> my, my presents won't be wrapped by Christmas Eve. So don't envy me too much. So tell me, tell me about our interview today. Well, today I interviewed Sydney Kessler. She is a recent college graduate. She is a, um, a quadruplet and about to Uh start med school. She hasn't decided which um, med school to go to yet, but she has a really interesting and fascinating story. And I think listeners will really enjoy. I can't wait to hear it. I haven't heard this interview yet. So this will be my Christmas surprise. So here's our interview with Sydney Kessler. Hello, everyone. Today I'm with Miss Sydney Kessler. Hello, Sydney. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad you're with us. You are doing a lot of really, really cool things, and I'm really excited to hear more about your story. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, so, like um, Lisa said, my name's Sydney. And I just graduated from Murray State University in May. And just recently, I was accepted to medical school. So I'm in my gap year between uh, graduating undergrad and then starting medical school. So I'll soon be a medical student in the fall. But as of right now, um, I'm currently working in Louisville as a medical scribe 
and um, involved in different adaptive sports, just trying to enjoy this year off before I have medical school and how all of that starts. Um, I guess a little bit about my background and about my family. Um, I'm a quadruplet, so I have three brothers and one sister. I'm, I'm the oldest out of the four of us, only by eight minutes, but um, I think that counts in some way. And uh, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, grew up here, um, grew up playing sports with my siblings, um, just overall really active. Pretty much everybody in my family has been active in sports has been a big part of our lives. And so in college, I kind of continued playing sports and wanted to still be active in college and started playing intramural sports. Um, so it was intramural soccer where I was first injured and uh, it was a freak accident. I was running, slipped and fell in the mud. Um, usually people ask if somebody hit me, nobody hit me, but just fell and slipped in the mud. And then when I went down, I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't move um, anything below my waist. So I later learned um, of, of the diagnosis of paralysis and uh, the damage to my spine that caused the paralysis. So since then, I feel like I've been trying to um, get my life back in a, in a way, just going back to school, switching my career path to med school, and uh, getting back into sports through adaptive sports. Wow. So you you didn't let let the accident stop you. It sounds like you just you just kept going through. I'm sure it was uh, an adjustment period. Can you tell me a little bit about that and and what you initially thought having to be um, without the use of your legs? Did you think that was going to hinder your ability to be physically active like you so enjoy? Yeah, I think the the first part of my injury and the recovery process was probably the hardest part. More specifically, like an inpatient rehab, I was a patient at Frazier Rehab, rehab Institute in Louisville. And uh, that was kind of the first place where I had to come to terms with my injury where uh, I remember I was sitting on the side of the bed and I was trying to transfer from my bed to the wheelchair that I now had to use. And it was difficult. I couldn't do it. And I fell while transferring. And I think that was the first time where I really realized that my life was going to look a lot different. And um, it was going to take a lot of work to rebuild up, rebuild my life. Um, but, you know, thanks to the healthcare team, the team at Fraser, UofL Health, everyone there, they are all absolutely amazing. And they helped me believe in myself that I could work back up to being independent, being active. And uh, I, I owe them a lot that they were the ones there in that, those first couple of weeks where, um, it, to me, it seemed like I didn't have anything going for me. You know, I went from being a college student, I was independent, active, um, great friend group, just overall, I was having fun at Murray. And in one second, one slip, all of that was just taken away. And I go from that to then lying in a hospital bed, couldn't sit up on my own at first. Uh, a lot of things that I couldn't do on my own, couldn't put on my socks by myself. And I was extremely frustrated in those first couple of weeks, but 
slowly what I started to realize is that, you know, I, I could do different um, things that might just be a little bit different than what I did before. So I could play sports again. Uh, I could be independent and go back to school. All of that was still possible. It, it just, it looked a little bit different and I had to figure out different ways to do all of the things that I still enjoyed. It sounds like um, at the Rehab Institute, they were really instrumental in kind of uh, building up your confidence again. Do you, would you say that would be true? I, I most certainly would say that's uh, true that, you know, the, the physical therapist, occupational therapist, the physical medicine rehab doctors, they're with you every single day rounding or in therapy with you. And on the days where you don't really believe in yourself and you don't believe something's possible, that they're the ones to say like, hey, this is possible. Like you can still, you can still do this and it might take a little bit, but we're going to be with you every step of the way to help you get back up. And I, I don't think I could have done it without their support. And I mean, all of the support that I received, but specifically the healthcare team at, at Frazier. Do you think um, they are in part what led you to change your career path and, and gain an interest in medicine? Yes, uh, that I mean, I didn't know of the field of um, physical medicine and rehab. So that's a specialty of um, being a physician that as a physician, you can choose a specialty. And so rehab medicine is one of those specialties that I, I really hadn't heard of before my accident. But my doctor um, at Frazier, he, he's been um, absolutely amazing where I was able to not only be a patient of his, but also shadow him on rounds and see medicine from a different side. Um, and I think that that was the, one of the first times where I realized I wanted to be a doctor was shadowing him. So kind of having that experience as a patient where um, not only did he help me medically and help me um, progress like in my recovery, but also mentally being able to accept the injury, move past it. And he's always been one of the ones that has believed in me to encourage me even now as I've, I mean, I emailed him a couple of weeks ago when I got my first acceptance to med school, just saying thank you that he was one of the first ones to inspire me to be a doctor and specifically go into the specialty that he is in right now. I love that. That makes me smile so big. <laughs> I love when people, you know, just walk alongside you and encourage you and build you up when you're, you know, at a really low time. So that's, that's great. So you have been accepted into some programs. Have you, have you chosen where you want to go? I have not chosen where I want to go. I've been accepted to three medical schools so far, and I have a couple of schools that I'm still waiting to hear back on. Um, but with the application process, I don't have to make a decision until April. So I'll probably wait until a little bit closer till then to decide, weigh out my options. But uh, I know I'm going somewhere, at least, and that has been a, a huge relief off of my shoulders. That is so wise definitely weigh out your options um now med school is a, a big thing but you also have really remained physically active and you were able to get back into sports can you tell us 
a little more about that and the kind of things you're doing? Yeah, so I touched on it a little bit before, but at first when I was injured, I didn't think sports were possible. I thought that my days of being active and playing in a team on a team and being competitive, that 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 was over now that I couldn't use my legs. And slowly I started to realize that that wasn't the case. Um, I think the first sport that I tried was rowing, adaptive rowing. And Jenny Smith, who is um, a disability advocate and also a wheelchair user herself in Louisville, that she introduced me to adaptive rowing. And I went out one weekend on the Ohio River and I loved it. It was like one of the first times where I felt myself able to get that enjoyment back of what I had before playing basketball and running, that those were my two main sports prior to the accident. So um, from there, it just kind of I met other people that were doing rock climbing, eventually got into hand cycling and um, just slowly started to get more involved in in different sports. And I think throughout that process, I I slowly started to realize like I've been able to try sports that I had never had the opportunity to try before. So like this past October, I was able to go outdoor rock climbing at the Red River Gorge. And I never had the opportunity to do anything like that prior to my accident. So shifting my mindset to focusing on the opportunities that this accident has given me as opposed to what it's taken away that I think that's what's made being physically active uh, more enjoyable and make me making me wanting to seek out new ways to challenge my body challenge my physical limitations but also maybe even mental limitations that uh, I just want to continually um, challenge myself in new ways and being physically active is one way to do that and staying physically active it's it's so important to our physical health and our our mental health i wonder if you could maybe speak on that a little bit to to other wheelchair users or disabled people in general like how important do you think it is to really stay physically active and what does that do for a person's spirit yeah i i think it it's everything to me at least um, it's a big part of my life and it was prior to my accident where um, like prior to my accident if I had a maybe a bad day at school or a rough day at work or whatever it was I would go for a run after and that was kind of my way of clearing my mind and while I was running I wasn't I'm focusing on running and maybe even my legs burning I'm not focusing on the bad day that I had and so that mindset kind of carries over to now where uh, especially during the medical school application process, if I had a long day of classes and studying for the MCAT, which is the entrance exam to med school, then after that, I get on the hand cycle and hand cycle for 30 minutes. And that allows me to take a step back from whatever's going on that day, focus on what my body is able to do and kind of just center my mind on the actual activity. So all of that to say, I think physical activity has done a lot um, for me physically. Um, having a spinal cord injury comes with a lot of secondary problems and staying physically active, just keeping my body in a good shape um, and it, my body healthy, that that helps kind of 
um, with the secondary complications, it makes those a little bit less um, hard to deal with, I think. And then just mentally, um, like I said, getting a break from whatever it is, or even if I'm frustrated with a wheelchair issue or something with my disability, that at the end of the day, if I look at that I was able to hand cycle or able to work out or able to play a sport for a little bit, I'm able to focus on that part, that opportunity, as opposed to possibly the challenges of that, that day. Do you think the the physical activity and the, the love for sports, it, will you be able to take that into your new um, career path and really build on that to help others? I certainly do. And even right now in my gap year before medical school, I'm currently a, one of the coaches for the um, a local adaptive basketball team. Um, it's a youth basketball team. So I'm able to coach them and show some of the kids in, in the Louisville area what's possible despite their disability and help build up their character, help encourage them to continue to be physical active. So that's certainly something I want to carry over into not only medical school, but then later as a resident and as a physician to um, give back to the community, show others what is capable, whether that's through myself doing that or um, if it's in a coaching position where um, I'm empowering other people to reach past their limitations. Um, all of those are things that I want to carry over into medical school and um, later as being a physician. And one other thing that I'll say with that is awareness that I want to, I mean, when I was first injured, I had no clue about adaptive sports. So being able to increase awareness about adaptive sports, showing that all people can play sports regardless of disability and all people should have the right to be physically active, that this advocacy component is something I, I'm really passionate about and what I hope to carry on in um, my future um, endeavors and in, in my career later on. I think it's great how you've taken your passion for um, sports and kind of integrated that into your future career path. Um, one thing in the disabled community is there are two schools of thought. Um, some people don't want to be seen as a source of inspiration. I've, I've seen that a lot mm -hmm. where other people do. And, and I've read where you, you say you want to inspire others. Can you tell me about that? I think so. I think I, I definitely agree with both. Uh, schools of thought in different ways. So when I say I want to inspire others, what I mean by that is if, um, so like last year I went skiing, if I'm skiing down a mountain and in an adaptive ski and somebody sees that and maybe that inspires them to try skiing or try something that they may might've not wanted to try at first, that that's how I want to inspire them. Um, more of so like seeing if they're seeing me Push past, my, push past my limitations and then using that in their own life to um, kind of give them the motivation to do that for themselves, that that's one way I, I hope to inspire people, but also understand on the 
on the other side where um, if I'm doing something as simple as going to the grocery store, I don't see something like that as inspiring. I think that's more of just me going about my daily life. And yes, it may be as a chair user, but um, I don't see me going to the grocery store necessarily as inspiring. So I, I use the word inspiration in a way of that if I'm doing something that requires maybe a lot of physical activity or strenuous or even going throughout the medical school application process and becoming a physician, that that's not an easy task, then I think that would be how I would use inspiration, but not in the sense of um, I'm going to the grocery store and doing something that everyone else probably is doing as well. Absolutely. And I think you you sum that up beautifully as far as how I would say the disabled community feels like we want to inspire others who may be struggling, who may not believe in themselves and believe that these limitations, their disability is holding them back or whatever it might be holding them back. You know, we want to inspire, but the the little things that we just go about in our daily lives, it, it kind of can get, well, quite frankly, it can get irritating Mm-hmm. when when you're constantly oh wow how did you do that <laughs> you know it's like I'm just doing my thing yep <laughs> so Sydney what would you what kind of advice would you give to someone who may just be receiving a new diagnosis of of being in a, a chair or any kind of disability really I, I would say that, um, and this is something that I wish I would have thought of myself as a newly injured 19-year-old, um, I would say that it gets better, that it, you know, I look at my life now and I've been accepted to medical school, I've been ad- involved in adaptive sports, I've been able to try a lot of different things that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so prior to, and Um, So I would say it gets better that accepting that it's going to be hard in this moment and accepting the the weight of a new diagnosis or a new um, condition or whatever that situation is, that I think it's important to accept the, the situation, but I think it's also important to keep moving forward and um, I think looking around me, seeing the support system that I had and um, just seeing everybody that was rooting me on that, that that helped me to um, kind of believe in myself. And I talked about it before with the healthcare team, believe in myself so that I could keep moving forward. But there's also something else that um, it was actually a football player who he was recently injured. And um, he said something along the lines of if, you can open your eyes the next morning, then it's going to be a good day. And, you know, I kind of take that to heart that um, there's still challenges. Like life is not perfect right now, but if I have the ability to wake up and, you know, I still have a life to, to live. So if I have that ability to wake up and um, open my eyes the next day, then it's going to be a good day. And so focusing on the positives, focusing on 
the opportunities, focusing on what you have to be grateful for, while also accepting the situation, which is extremely hard to do. And I don't think I did it as well um, when I was first injured. But I think keeping that positive mindset and kind of keeping your eyes forward is one one thing that's allowed me to progress throughout the last couple of years. Sydney, I love that. That is beautiful. I wonder if you could speak on just having patience with yourself and giving yourself grace, because you said, you know, it is going to be difficult. And I would assume that it's very important to be kind to yourself. It, it certainly is. And I think positive self-talk is is important. They talk about, I kind of learned about this actually in the medical school application process, um, but it, I think it translates to all forms of life or all forms of, or all areas of life rather. Um, but, you know, and they talk about like gratitude journaling that at the end of the day, if you can find maybe like two or three things that you were grateful for that day and focus on those, that that's kind of gives you something to, um, look at instead of looking at the negative parts and um you know I think about driving again where the first time I tried to get my chair so I have to, I have to break apart my wheelchair and get it in my car and the first time that I did that it it was difficult it took like 45 minutes um it was just a hard process and I didn't get it right away but through keeping a positive mindset keeping the mindset of I get the ability to drive, not I have to break down my chair. Just changing the way that I would phrase things was that made a lot of difference. And I think um, I think that positive mindset and positive outlook on life is extremely important in, um, in recovering from an injury like this. Absolutely. Um, Sydney, I've so enjoyed listening to you and hearing more about your story and and what you're going to do in the future. I wish you the best of luck and I know you're going to be an amazing physician one day. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and I really appreciate our time to sit and chat for a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. If you like the podcast, remember to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you really like the podcast, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps more people to find us. If you really, really like the podcast, then please tell someone about it, either in person or send them an email or just share the link on social media. Thank you all. Every bit helps and it makes a huge difference for us. If you'd like a transcript, please send us an email to demandanddisrupt at gmail.com and put transcript in the subject line. Thanks to Steve Moore for helping us out with transcripts. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Demand and Disrupt is a publication of the Advocado Press with generous support from the Center for Accessible Living located in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. You say you've seen a change in me. Just for once, I think I would agree.
Spelled out the 